Welcome to Radius Conversations, where we want to do real life with real faith. Our purpose here is to dive into practical questions about how to glorify God with people who have experience from a biblical worldview. I'm your host, Mariah Levitt. Today we're going to be talking about marriage, um, starting with what is marriage, and I'm really excited about this podcast because Meg and Joe are joining us, and y'all did my premarital counseling with, with yeah, my husband did. and I. It was a good time. <laughs> it was a good time. We learned so much, and that was seven years ago, which oh my is gosh. crazy. That's nuts. Yeah. Time really flies. Is. It really is. So would love to just have y'all kind of enter yourselves and tell our listeners, who are you? Who are Meg and Joe? Sounds good. Yep. I'm Joe. I'm Meg. And we have been married for 15 years, be 16 this year. Um, We have two boys. Our oldest is 12 and our youngest is 10. And we're really passionate about marriage. So uh, we've had the opportunity to do a bunch of premarital mentoring, counseling. Mm -hmm. And it's definitely been one of the, the great joys, I would say, of our ministry. Like when we think about our ministry together, Throughout the years, that is certainly one of the top highlights for for us. So yeah, yeah, we had really good a really good premarital counseling situation, and we just saw the benefit of that, the need of that, and how we fifteen years in are still looking back at some of the things that we learned in that. Yeah, and I mean we we hadn't been following Jesus long either no. when when we had our premarital counseling and. You know, it really shaped us, you know, not just with the marriage, but, you know, spiritually uh, as well. And so it's something that we believe in and we think is really, really important. And um, we love doing it. So, yeah, well, I had really good premarital counseling as well. (laughs) Um, And I would love to just start off by y'all kind of defining when you're starting this, what is marriage? Mm. Yeah, so scripture... um, you know, the accounts of, of marriage and the teaching about marriage in Scripture is, is really fascinating. Um, you know, we see from the very beginning, like Genesis 1 and 2, the creation account, as God was creating, Scripture says that God repeatedly saw that it was good. You know, He, he created and it was good. He created and it was good over and over again. And the first time in the creation account of the world that we see something that is not good. It says God said in verse 18 of Genesis 2 that it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. So I find it really fascinating, you know, that everything was good and that this was the first thing that was not good and just how God addressed that. And it really was like a provision. You know, it was a provision and it was a a gift uh, and so, you know, you read that in the creation account and, and sort of at first glance, like you think it's just about the man and the woman and, you know, the benefits that come from a relationship like this. But we know God was a communal God, so uh, he wanted community for his creation. But then there's so much more than that. Like you fast forward to the New Testament and Jesus comes and then he leaves Uh, And then you you start reading, and Paul teaches about marriage in Ephesians. And so in Ephesians 5, 21 through 33, he talks about the the picture or the analogy 
that God really intended for marriage to be. And so um, we see it there. We see him talk about how husband, the husband is supposed to be like Christ, and the wife or the bride is supposed to be like the church. Uh, and so at the end of the day, the purpose of marriage is to glorify God. Uh, and I think that was just really profound for me, you know, when I thought about, you know, what is marriage as a, as a young man, as a young believer, to realize that it's not about me. Like, it's really about God. The purpose of marriage is to glorify God, for us to use our marriages in this world, on this side of heaven, to show a picture to the people that are in our radius um, about how much God loves us. And so, you know, for, for husbands, you know, the, the bar is high, right? Like for us to, to be like Christ in our homes and with our wives and for that to be an analogy uh, to the world around us. So that's kind of it in a nutshell. Um, I would love to kind of dive a little in for our listeners. Um, when we're talking about marriage, we're talking to people who are called to marriage or in marriage. Would y'all have any sort of clarification for our audience just, you know, about that realm, Meg, we kind of talked about this. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, we were talking about this and just thinking like uh, we are specifically talking, like you said, about people who are called to marriage. Um, we do not believe that all Christians are called to marriage. There are many, many uh, other scriptures in the Bible that talk about singleness and um, how that can be done well. And like Joe just said, um, it was a man and a wife in Genesis, but it really was about community as well. And we don't necessarily think that marriage is the answer to all of life's questions. Like in the Bible, uh, Paul, I think, talks about how sometimes it's better to be single because then you can focus on things of the Lord. Whereas like, you know, Joe as a man, he's got to focus on things of the Lord, but he's also got a wife and children and a house and all the things um, so yeah, I think we want to be careful not to make it sound like marriage is the only way to be happy or glorify God. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. But I do, just to clarify that part, I don't know if you have anything to add, but on top of that, to those who will be called to marriage or who are in marriage, mm-hmm. um, why, why do we even believe that they should get married? Um, what is the purpose, I guess, of a Christian marriage? Yeah, I mean, like I said, um, for those that, that do feel led that way, um, you know, the, the purpose of marriage is to glorify God. So at the end of the day, you know, it, it is a provision, and it can certainly help us um, in, in life and even fighting some of the temptations that this world um, presents us with. Um, but, you know, it's, it's about Christ and the church and displaying that image for the world to see. So, you know, um, when, when Meg and I, you know, walk around town and, and represent, you know, ourselves with the people we work with and the people we're in community with, you know, the hope would be that, that those folks, especially like the people that I work with who don't all know Jesus, that they would look at me and say, man, that's really different. Like that's different than the other marriages I see. That's different than what the culture says about marriage. And, um, and they begin to wonder, and then that wondering, you know, hopefully leads them to ask questions, and we can build a relationship based off of that. So it's really a, 
a starting point for a gospel conversation. And I think that that is the the purpose of marriage. Mm-hmm. I love how simple that was to, to glorify God. <laughs> and I think if we listen to anything in culture, it would be probably to be happy. Yeah. Yeah. To be happy. And I just think about selfishness. Like when I talk to folks who are struggling, um, in their marriages, you know, it, um, I mean, just to be honest, sometimes it frustrates me because like I'm sitting there and we're talking about it and it's, it's me, 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 right? Everybody is me, me, me. Um, and you have to take your eyes off yourself, um, and and put, put your eyes on the other person, but even more than that on God. Mm -hmm. And you know, that this is about him. It is not about us. It's not about me being happy, her being happy. And even it's not about me sacrificing so much so that she is happy. It's really about honoring God with this gift that he's given us and stewarding it well and representing him in the marriage. Yeah, I just was thinking the same thing of like, um, I think maybe some uh, Christian culture teaches that we are supposed to work hard to make each other's lives better or happier or whatever. And it's like, no, like we need to be careful that we're not placing our marriages above worshiping the Lord and Mm -hmm. and serving his purpose. Um, So that's kind of what I was thinking about that. Yeah. And practically, um, I think sometimes we hear these things in church and it's like, oh yeah, that sounds great. But in my marriage, (laughs) this is very difficult (laughs) to practice. So what would y'all say are things that have kind of helped you have a healthy marriage? Well, first of all, I think um, like marriage is a choice, right? And, and, and love is a choice. I mean, you know, the, the Hollywood depiction of, of what love is and, and what love and marriage uh, is, is, is just not real, right? Like uh, the honeymoon phase does wear off and, you know, you're left with work and life and ministry and kids and bills and all that stuff. And so, you know, when that happens, you know, um, marriage and love and love is a choice. And so I have to get up every day and choose to love Meg again. And really that parallels again with my relationship with the Lord, you know, following Jesus as a choice. It is a daily choice to get up and, and choose him um, so I think that's, you know, kind of where, where it begins practically is just to say, like, I have to draw a line in the sand and, and choose to, to love my wife every day and to, to be in this marriage and to, to make it what God wants it to be. Um, but then really simply, it's about friendship. Yeah. So I was sitting here thinking about a friend that he's retired from the army and he and his wife have this thing, they call each other battle buddies. And the idea of being, you know, when you're going in the army, you have this guy, you're back to back so that you can see all around you. And they just described it as like they're doing life and they have this buddy that's looking behind them and beside them that they can't see, um, just helping them get through stuff. So I think friendship is huge and, and not a friendship of like, just you can be around each other, but like a deep, deep, um, life-giving, you want to be around each other, you, you desire 
spending time together. You are the person that I want to talk to more than anybody else in the world. Um, one of the things we tell our premarital couples is the spouse should be the person that you want to go to first and foremost mm-hmm. with news, with with happiness, with sadness, anything. Yeah, they should be your first call. Yeah. Um, like, there's nothing wrong with girls' nights and guys' nights, but the idea that culture is like that's how you go and get fulfilled is you go out with girls or you go out with guys – we push back on that pretty hard because we feel like the marriage friendship should be the most life-giving. Understanding that that is not the case in a lot of marriages, right? Mm-hmm. But this is what we're talking about. This is the Ultimate ideal. goals, mm-hmm. ideals, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so friendship, the way we do it is we just make it a priority. Like we, my brain has to, set timers sometimes to check in and text and see how, you know, his day's going or he'll call me when he gets in the car and we'll just talk. Um, and then date nights are huge. Mm -hmm. Getting out, just getting time where we can talk Mm -hmm. and catch back up, looking at each other, checking in, just, just talking and then just doing fun stuff too. Um, recognizing that life is hard, and that if we don't protect our friendship, the the boys will take it or life will take it. And so that's pretty big for us. Yeah. And you do. You you have to cultivate it, right? Like it's it's the same as the, the love and the marriage thing. It doesn't just happen magically. You know, all relationships you have to you have to work at and you have to cultivate. And so Again, back to the choice thing, you have to choose it and you have to choose to be friends first and find things that you enjoy doing together. Um, You know, and you may come into the marriage with only a couple of things that you like to do together, maybe nothing that you like to do together. And so sometimes you have to put aside, you know, the things that you enjoy individually, you know, for the sake of the marriage. And and it's worth it because Mm -hmm. we have found so much joy in the friendship uh, because even when things get bad and hard and the romance is a struggle and all that, you know, the friendship is still there and we can mm-hmm. still hang out and watch shows together and laugh and, you know, go to good restaurants and go camping and things like that. You know, that sustains us, that friendship. You know, a lot of times we have, we talk about grace and trust and Sometimes you see people, they give more grace and trust to their outside friends than to their spouse. Mm. So we harp on grace and trust. And Mm. the thing that we talk about all the time is the Colossians 3.13, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. So like we're going to mess up every day and we have to understand that we are humans and we're going to mess up. And if we do not give each other grace for the little things and the big things, the wedge will start to come between us. Mm -hmm. And over time, the continued working on the grace, giving grace, overcoming little hardships, big hardships, that's where you gain the trust that sustains. And you know that despite the next frustration or next argument or the next life 
terrible thing that happens, this is not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Like we know that despite the chaos of the world, we've still got our battle buddy and we're not going anywhere. Yeah. And, and listen, fellas, like it starts with us, you know, back to the, the parallel as, as Christ led um, and sacrificially led, you know, he then extended grace, tremendous grace. And that's who we're supposed to follow. So we have to lead in this. You know, that, that verse that Meg read, um, the version I like says, make room for each other's faults. And so that means, like, it's not my job to try to change her or fix her or make her into this thing that I want her to be. It's to make room for her shortcomings. And I have to lead with that. And, you know, the Ephesians passage talks about loving your wives first. Um, and so if you lead with love and grace, then she wants to reciprocate that. And then it becomes this circular relationship. You know, some people say, well, well, which one comes first, you know? And it's like, you have to lead. You have to lead this way. You have to go first. And then, you know, it becomes a circular relationship of, of freedom and grace and trust. It's a great reminder, um, first to to give each other benefit of the doubt. I have mm-hmm. noticed how yes. I do that with other people before I do with yes. Timmy, my husband. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other three things that stood out was how y'all talked about grace, sacrifice, and choice. Mm-hmm. And I think that all of that um, ties in well to when there's hard seasons and that there are, I'm sure y'all know you've been what, 15, 15 years yeah. yep. that there are hard seasons. It's not always just, Oh, we're like best buds. Everything's mm-hmm. great. Um, and a lot of that boils down to communication mm-hmm. and loving each other. Well, so I would love to hear a little about, I know y'all are big into the love languages. Mm-hmm. Um, how would you, recommend or advise couples to love each other well and how do you have like helpful tips from the love languages (laughs) yeah so I think we were told to do the five love languages when we did premarital counseling I think was the first time we were introduced to it it's such a simple concept but it is foundational when you figure out the way he talks about your love tank gets filled up like a gas tank um if you can communicate that to your spouse, it becomes easier for them to help you feel loved and then you can know what they need too. So many times we want to love people the way we want to be loved, but that doesn't show them. They don't get the same. It backfires. It backfires, <laughs> yes. I'm like, man, my love language is touch. So I'm like always touching her. Touchy, and, touchy. And it's like, man, this is going the wrong way. You know what's going on? Don't touch me. My love language is not touch. <laughs> So, yeah, we learned early on what our love languages were. Um, Super helpful. Really, really um, helpful tip. We probably last year were just thinking about it again, and they recommended getting like an index card or something. So we got little Post-it notes, and we wrote three ways that you can show me that you love me or something like that. And we pasted them on our bathroom mirrors. So like Joe wrote three ways that he would feel loved. I wrote three ways that I would feel loved. Super simple. Like mine, one of mine is quality, quantity time, time. Quality and quantity, yeah. Yeah, I'm both. Just give me time. Stay with me all the time. time. (laughs) Um, Just very simple things like 
going on a walk with me. Like just, you know, after dinner, like the boys are whatever, getting ready for bed. Just go walk with me. Super simple. I, I'm a gift receiver. <laughs> he's a gift giver. So that one does go well together, but little gifts. So he's really good about bringing, like yesterday he brought me on home a, a little slice of cheesecake. And that just, it is not hard. It's not these super expensive or over the top gestures. It's little things that you can continue day in and day out that really make a difference. So yeah, love languages go get that book. And they have it for kids and families and all kind of things. Yeah, it's practical. And, um, you know, again, guys, this this starts with us. So like when you get, when you figure it out and you get the post-it note or whatever, like you, you got to lead. Um, don't wait on her. Uh, you you got to lead. And even if it's a little legalistic at first, like I'm I'm pretty, I'm a box checker, right? So, you know, I'm going to put it on my calendar and it feels a little weird at first. And we even struggle with that early on in our marriage because yeah. you'd be like, I feel like I'm just another appointment on your calendar. Yeah. And and there is some truth to that. So you have to be careful, but I believe that discipline becomes desire. Mm. Um, and so if I can, if I can discipline myself, whether it be my quiet time or loving my wife well for a season, then it does truly become something I want to do. Um, but to get started, sometimes you have to plan it. You have to plan well, be very intentional, um, and, and lead in that way. I think over time we saw the benefit of it, even though it was a little like checkboxy in the yeah. beginning, we saw the goal was to bring us closer together. Yeah. And then we went back to that grace, giving each other grace mm-hmm. about it too. So. Yeah. Well, we could talk about this. All day. We have talked about it all day. Yeah, we yeah. In the past, yeah. <laughs> but um, just to close, I'm sure there are listeners who just are struggling, who need help, who maybe not struggling, but would like to maintain. And there's going to be people all over the place who are married, want to get married, who um, are in different stages of life. So do you have any resources that we could point people to um, with marriage? Yeah, I mean, the first thing I would say is just don't go it alone. Like, find community, find a mentor. If if you're not married yet, you know, premarital mentoring, premarital counseling, it's a must. Like, I I don't I don't know how you do it without it. You know, just to to cover so many of those bases before you even get to your wedding day. Um, you know, covering you know, his history and, and family stuff and all the decisions that you have to make after you're, and you're it, married. And it's not that we're like fixing those things during premarital counseling, but we're talking, we're communicating, we're bringing it up. Yeah. And then if you're already married, like, you know, find somebody, find somebody that's uh, a peer or a little further down the road than you and just ask them for some time, you know, find someone that you you look at and you say, man, they have a good marriage and, and that's what I want to, to have one day and just start spending time with them, you know, buy, buy them a meal, uh, have them over for dinner and just start asking them questions. So that's probably the biggie. And then like some stuff that you can just go get tomorrow. Um, one of my favorite books is by Tim Keller, The Meaning of Marriage. So it probably had the most profound effect on me back to that. Just the purpose of marriage is to glorify God. So strongly recommend that. Of course, we talked about the Love Languages book by Gary Chapman. Um, Another really practical one is called His Needs, Her Needs. I think it's Hartley is the name. Anyway, 
it's um, it's real real practical and um, easy. A reminder that Radius Church exists to glorify God by making disciples, planning churches, and living generously. This has been Radius Conversations. We'll see you next time.